My hope is as we look at this passage together, we'll hear from God this morning, uh, that he's going to speak to us, uh, that he'll change us, and, and we'll move forward in our lives uh, in faith. So Galatians 6, 1-10, the words are going to be up on the screen. There's Bibles up at the back there if you want an actual physical Bible, and um, then do take one. Um, reading from the Christian Standard Bible, CSB. So Paul writes these words to us uh, in this passage. Uh, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, He deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. You know, I love uh, driving through the country. It's one of my favourite things to do. Um, sometimes I break the speed limit slightly, um, so forgive me, I need to ask for forgiveness for that on a regular basis. But I do enjoy uh, just the, the views uh, and the drive. Uh, and my favourite road is a single track road going to Kilberry, which is in the west coast of Scotland. Um, and that has many lefts and rights and ups and downs and you're turning round corners. Uh, and it's just an incredible drive and it gets better and better the more and more you drive through it. And one of the reasons for that is because you get a a glimpse of the sea to begin with. And then the more and more you're driving, you see more and more of the sound of Dura. Um, And there's an incline on the road. So you're going through all these corners and and turning and taking a left and a right. And you're driving up this hill and you get to this this sort of peak. Uh, And at this peak, you have to stop. You cannot drive past this peak because you get this incredible view of Dura. And the sea, you're basically looking down onto the sea and you really capture something of God's beauty and God's majesty. It's just great for me to, to do that on a regular basis, just to stop my car, to get out, to take a deep breath and to rejoice in God's creation. And I feel like this is what we're doing with Galatians 6, 1 to 10. We're going on a single track road through this passage. Uh, and that moment of stopping and reflecting upon what it is that God has to say to us, is in verse 7, which will be up on the screen. Uh, Verse 7, it says, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Now before we get to this, and before we take some time just to stop, uh, and to reflect, uh, and to listen to what God has to say, we need to understand verses 1 to 6. And before we understand verses 1 to 6, we need to understand the context of chapter 6. Uh, Paul has encouraged the believers to walk by the Spirit. If we are people who walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the Spirit of the flesh are basically the two forces within our lives. We have an option every single day to choose. Am I going to live my life in the Spirit? 
Or am I going to choose to live my life and live in such a way that I'm fulfilling and satisfying the desires of the flesh? We choose in every day, in every moment, in every situation, in every conversation. Are we going to live our lives in light of the Spirit or in light of the flesh? And Paul unpacks what the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit are in Galatians 5, so the previous chapter, and in verses 19 through to 26. And we're left with this undeniable spiritual reality, and that is it is spiritually impossible to be full of the Spirit and live in the flesh. And in the same way, it's spiritually impossible to live in the flesh and to please the Spirit, to please our Heavenly Father. The work of the Spirit and the work of the flesh are always at war with each other. And as I've already said, we have an option. We have a decision every day to choose. Is it going to be the Spirit or is it going to be the flesh? So as we think about the work of the flesh and the work of the Spirit in our lives, an initial question for us to reflect on this morning is this. Is my life characterised by what it is that Paul speaks of in Galatians 5 and verses 19 to 21? So the works of the flesh are according to Paul. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. Is that a picture? of your life? Or alternatively, another question we can ask is this, is my life characterised by what Paul speaks of in verses 22 to 23 in Galatians 5? The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. So which is it? Which description reflects your life more? What description do you desire more of within your life? What choices are you making in your life? Day by day, morning by morning, moment by moment. So I recognise at the very start as we think about this passage, these are difficult questions for us to ask. But it's just a reminder for us, we constantly need to be self-assessing. To be looking at our lives and asking, okay, am I living my life in the flesh? Am I just choosing to do things because that is a carnal desire of my heart? Or am I choosing in faith to be equipped and filled by God's Holy Spirit? Our response to these questions is not, I need to try harder. But rather our response is, God help me. God help me in these moments when things are really hard. Help me to fix my eyes upon you. You know, anyone who preaches will know that when you start looking at a passage or thinking about looking at a passage then God definitely tests you in that and so as I've been reflecting this week about just this whole subject of the spirit and the work of the flesh it's been such a challenge you know I've just sensed the enemy just turning up in different ways uh, and really God's saying okay what are you going to rely on are you going to rely on the spirit or are you going to choose to live your life in the flesh and so I'm saying all of this realizing that I need to constantly rely on God's grace in every single moment and that's the context of what it is that Paul writes in verse 1 of our passage so that's really just a backdrop for us but in verse 1 Paul says this brothers and sisters if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing so it should be up 
uh, on the screen. So verse 1. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, in other words, if someone is producing the works of the flesh in their life, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Now the danger is that those who are living faithful to God will at times respond to someone who is living in sin with a harshness, you know, a stricter judgment, almost like that person is better than the other person. It's so easy for us to do. And Paul is saying here, get them back in their feet again. But don't grab their collar and throw them back up. Do it with a gentleness. Do it with a realisation that we're all on the same page. We all struggle with sin. We all need God's grace every single day. Paul's wanting them to see that they themselves could be in the exact same position as the one who has fallen a day, a week, a month later. And he's implying that there's a danger in the one who restores another and that they might fall into the same trap of sin. So if we're trying to restore someone back to a life of faithfulness, there's a danger that as we restore that person that we also fall into that same, same sin. So God is warning us through his word. So that's verse 1. So let's keep going in a single track road. Then in verse 2 we read, Carry one another's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So one of the greatest acts of love you could ever do to a brother or sister in Christ in the midst of their particular struggle is to carry their burden, to help them in the midst of their trial. And the New Testament pattern is for men to help, encourage and support men and for women to help, encourage and support women. It's just how God designed his church to be. And that doesn't mean that men are never to help women. And women are never to help men. But the general pattern is this way. God has designed it this way. And we see this throughout the New Testament. And so I'm really looking forward to next weekend. And for the guys to be sharing just about biblical manhood. And biblical womanhood. Uh, and the ways in which we can encourage and equip each other. So burden sharing. Let's be a church that really does this. That really does take one another's burdens. And helps each other in the midst of the trials that we face. Because it's so easy for us just to come into this church on a Sunday and just to say we're fine, everything's great. But deep down we're really struggling. We're really battling with a situation or a problem. We're overwhelmed by something in our lives. It's an opportunity for you to speak to one or two people in the church, someone you trust, and to share that burden that they might pray for you, that they might give wisdom and insight and help in your time of need. So burden sharing is so important. And that means we're honest. You know, if we grow as a church, it means we're being more and more honest with each other. And we're not just putting on this Sunday face. So that's verse 2. Then in verse 3, uh, Paul writes, For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Uh, Paul is going back to this point he was making in verse 1. As you help other people in their problems, do not think that you are better than them. If you do that, you're deceiving yourself. You're not as awesome as you think you are. So important we get this. We are broken and messed up people and we need God's grace every day. And we are not as awesome as we think we are. And as we continue down this road, verses 4 to 5, let each person examine his own work. And then he can take pride in himself alone 
and not compare himself with someone else. So Paul wants us to understand here that we shouldn't spend all of our time focusing on what other people are doing or not doing. We need to examine ourselves first and we need to really look at what it is that God is saying to, to us about us. So we're constantly looking at ourselves and examining, okay, why am I saying this? Why am I doing this? What is the motivation of my heart? For each person will have to carry his own load. In other words, we will all one day have to give an account, not for what someone else did, but for what we did in our lives. We will stand before the throne, before Jesus, whose eyes are like fire, and we will give an account for our lives, not an account for someone else's life. So examine your heart and test and see what it is you're doing and why it is you're doing it. Then in verse 6, we read, Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Uh, Martin Luther uh, says this about Galatians 6, 6. Uh, These passages are all meant to benefit us ministers. I must say I do not find much pleasure in explaining these verses. I am made to appear as if I am speaking for my own benefit. And you know, as a, a minister, when I read these words, let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher, I can understand Luther's awkwardness. But I also understand that this is a principle in verse 6 and it is a deeply biblical principle, one whereby the church family has opportunity to worship God through supporting the church family and equipping those who teach and who lead the church. Those who teach are supported by those who receive. You know, if DBC is a safe space, if it's a spiritual home, if you would call DBC your church family, then respond in worship by providing and supporting the church family. Just a wee encouragement for you as we think about moving forward and all that God has for us. And this leads Paul to move on to this deeper spiritual truth. And it's here in verse 7 that we're putting the brakes on, we're getting out of our cars, so to speak, and we're reflecting upon what it is that we read. Because this is what's at the heart of our passage this morning. Paul writes, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Whatever a person sows, he will also reap. So this is a biblical principle. Sowing and reaping. We find this throughout the Old Testament. We find this throughout the New Testament. And because it's a biblical principle, it's also a life principle. You know, if I went to Oh My Grill Kebab Shop... Uh, every day for the next year on Duke Street, then I would have serious weight issues. I would have serious waste issues. And by waste, I mean W-A-I-S-T. <laughs> I would probably be in hospital eventually if I just kept eating at this kebab shop. I do love the kebabs they make me are, but I realise that there's a season for everything. It has to be at certain points. <laughs> if I did that, then I would be sown a bad life choice uh, and I would reap the, the sort of bad effects of that. If you go out of your way to be difficult with people in your workplace, then you're going to reap, if you sow that into the relationships in your work, then you're going to reap the consequences of that. You're going to experience hardship, negativity, people avoiding you, people being aggressive towards you. If you have a bath, if you take a shower, if you wash every day, then you're going to reap not smelling. It's just a simple truth. You're going to reap the benefit of not stinking a bio. 
praise God for that. So I'm making a point here. One that should be pretty obvious is as we think of the practical, physical, relational stuff of life, whatever a person sows in life, he will also reap. And let's be honest this morning, we knew this already. None of this is news to us. This is something that our culture gets as well. When it comes to the practical stuff of life, we all know that we reap what we sow. When I studied really hard at school or university, I got good results. When I didn't study, I didn't get good results. You reap what you sow. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament is a book of sowing and reaping. And it's got so many different examples of what happens when you sow and the effects of reaping. For every action, there is always a reaction. This is just a general principle that we find in life. And there's always exceptions to these principles. The Bible is very clear in saying that on many different occasions we see exceptions, but the general rule is reaping and sowing. This is how life is ordered and organised. Nobody would deny this when it comes to the practical stuff of life. And yet we struggle to believe this when it comes to spiritual stuff. And you might push back and say, hold on a minute Mark, everything's spiritual. And that would be true. Everything that we do, say, think, feel, it's an opportunity for us to worship God. So yes, I agree, everything is spiritual. But when I say the spiritual stuff of life, I'm thinking of the spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer, reading the scriptures, loving your neighbour, obedience, and the really small things of life. You know, the things that nobody's watching you when you do these things. Obedience in those moments and obedience in the big things of life as well. Being a part of a supportive church family, that is a spiritual discipline. Being connected to a family so that you can be encouraged and equipped to then live for Jesus. So these are spiritual disciplines. And the reality is, the sad reality is, that for many in the church, when it comes to these disciplines, we don't desire these things. We don't desire these things because we're much happier with other stuff, with the things of this world. Often things that are absolutely destructive to our lives. We choose Netflix over reading Nehemiah. We would much rather tweet than talking to someone about Jesus. So we don't desire these things or we don't believe that these things will make a difference in our lives. We honestly don't believe it. We might have this mental agreement in our heads. Okay, if I pray a lot or if I read my Bible a lot, then God is going to bless me in some way. But deep down, when the rubber meets the road, when we choose to live our lives in light of that truth, we do not believe it because we do not demonstrate it in our actions. Prayer just becomes a custom, just a ritual. We, we pray because that's what Christians do. You know, just like Christians might wear sandals. I don't know if anyone's wearing sandals here today, but we're <laughs> just like Christians have all these different traditions and customs, you know. Prayer is just one of many things that Christians do. We don't actually believe that prayer will make a difference in our lives that's a challenge for us you know often when we gather together and pray I'll be praying for stuff and I'll know I'll be carrying unbelief in my heart I won't be truly believing and expecting that God is going to step into that situation but I'll just be praying 
You know, what does it mean for us to pray and to pray in faith? There's no real expectancy that God is going to move in great power when we pray. There's no real belief in the words of Jesus himself in Matthew's gospel when he says, ask and it will be given to you. There you go, sowing and reaping. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will, be, you will find, sowing and reaping. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receive, receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, this could so easily be us as a church family. We could choose to reject these words from Jesus. We could choose not to ask, not to seek, not to knock, not to, to really believe that God is going to work. And Jesus promised, he doesn't promise that if we do not do these things, he will bless us. He promises that if we ask, seek and knock, then he will respond. In many regards, and I say this with absolute love to every single one of you, this is us at times as a church family. You know, if we believed in the power of prayer, there would be more of us on a Tuesday gathering together and expecting God to work. You might push back and you might say, well, I don't need to be with other believers to pray. To which my response would be, well, you do. Um, this is how the church functions. This, this is a New Testament model of the early church. I'll direct you to 10 different examples in the book of Acts where the church gathered together and they, belie they believed and they prayed and they expected God to work in great might and power. And lives, communities, cities were transformed because of their focus in prayer. This is how God designed the church. And who are we to do, to do differently? Who is Denison Baptist Church to be the church that chooses not to pray and not to gather together for one hour on a Tuesday from seven to eight o'clock? Such a simple thing that we do. We read God's word and then we pray together, but we really do believe that God is gonna work in great might and power when we pray. I say all of that in love and in grace. So don't misunderstand what I'm getting at. I'm not trying to guilt you into prayer. I don't want you to be thinking, okay, I better go to this prayer meeting on a Tuesday because Mark was harping on about it. Um, my heart for you is that you just fall in love with Jesus. And when you fall in love with Jesus, you'll fall in love with prayer. And when you fall in love with prayer, you'll fall in love with praying together uh, as a church family. So what would DBC reap if we sowed prayer on a regular, consistent and expectant basis. What would our church look like? I mean, we can see the benefits of prayer already. I'm convinced that the blessings and the fruit that we are seeing within the life of this church is because of prayer. But what would it look like if we prayed even more? If we just upped the ante two, three, four, five notches and we just saw what it is that God could do, we really expected and believed that God would work in our midst. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. That's some indictment. You do not have because you do not ask God. Let's not be a church family that's characterised, defined by that verse. We have not because we ask not. You know, we often struggle with this idea of sowing in the Christian life um, because of a misunderstanding just about the role of God in our lives and also our responsibility. 
our missional community, we've had a, a lovely discussion, debate about God's sovereignty, predestination, and man's responsibility. And it's been really good for us just to look at that and to unpack that and to examine what it means. And it's something that many people struggle with. God is sovereign over this earth. He has predestined everything. And yet at the same time, we are all responsible for our actions. If anyone can explain that to me, you can speak to me at the end of the service because I can't fully understand what that means, what that looks like. But I do believe in both of these truths at the same time. God is sovereign. He has predestined all. And yet we are responsible. We are responsible to live for God with all that we are. I want to encourage you this morning to embrace the paradox. You know what a paradox is? Two truths that are complementary but appear to be contradictory. So if God is sovereign and he has predestined everything, how can man be responsible? We do not know the answer to that fully, but we know that God is in control and that both of these truths are correct at the same time and he has called us to believe both of these truths at the same time. Embrace the fact that you don't fully understand these truths. God is so much bigger than any one of us And so it makes sense that we can't fully understand this. You know, I would be concerned about the God that we worshipped if I could fully explain who he was. But the fact that we can't fully explain God this morning shows just how big he is and how small we are. Praise God for that, eh? Um, If you're doing nothing in your life because God is sovereign and he's predestined everything, if you think to yourself, if you have this kind of hyper-Calvinistic view that says, well, you know, God has predestined all things and so I'm not going to do anything. That's sin, pure and simple. And if you're doing everything as if it all depends on you, if you're doing God a favour and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I need to do all these things and I, I need to share the gospel in this particular way so that this person is saved. If you believe that it all relies upon your own strength and your own work and your own techniques, then that is sin as well. God is fully sovereign and you are fully responsible at the same time. Ephesians 1.5 He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So he predestined us to be adopted. He knew us before the foundations of the earth. That is true and it fits perfectly with Galatians 6 verse 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. They both emphasise two different aspects of the Christian life. And though we might not fully understand how all this works itself out, we trust in the one who ordered it this way. So let us trust that God is in control and let us give our absolute all to him, believing that he is going to lead us and he is going to equip us. Let me encourage you to give your absolute all to God in light of the fact that he has called you. What an amazing truth. As we reflect on these truths, I'm just going to close with verses 8 to 9. Um, Really just as a a closing uh, prayer um, as we reflect upon all that God has done for us. Um, So Paul says, we reap what we sow. Verse 8, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit 
will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. So let me just encourage you this morning, do not give up. You know, it might have been really hard for you this week. You may have experienced things that were tough. Um, I can definitely say that for myself. It's been a, a difficult week. And yet I'm really encouraged by what Paul says. Do not get tired of doing good. Don't just focus on what you're doing, but focus on why you're doing it, who you're doing it for, because you'll reap the benefit of that. And it's not according to your time, it's according to God's time. Let me pray, and then we're going to respond uh, in a time of worship. <clears throat> Lord, we think of the, the words uh, of of verse 9 let us not get tired of doing good and Lord we recognise that we cannot do good unless you empower us unless you fill us with your Holy Spirit uh, and Lord we do pray um, that you would enable us to be all that you call us to be Lord we thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to do many good works this week to serve you in many different ways uh, and Lord we pray that you would help us just to see the bigger picture Lord, yes, we would focus on minutiae and we would focus on the small details. But Lord, we would also have this bigger picture and we would recognise and realise that it is all for your glory. Uh, and it is all when you uh, enable us and empower us uh, to live for you. So Lord, we love you. Lord, we pray that this time of worship would be a time where you minister to us. Uh, and Lord, that you speak to us as we sing of the gospel, as we sing of what you have done for us. Use this time to enliven our hearts so that we can be faithful and fruitful for you uh, going into this week. In Jesus' name, amen.